What's up, everyone, and welcome to Staying in Power Podcast, Episode 3. It is a lovely day. Hope everyone is having a, having a great holiday. Uh, today is actually Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, and I'm excited for today's episode. Um, I have a friend, a great mentor, um, who is a licensed mental health counselor by the name of Martin. I thought it was really fitting and um, this time was needed um, right now during the holidays and with what's going on with COVID for us to just sit down and have a have a conversation about um, just mental health and um, a couple other things that we'll be discussing today. Um, and thought it was important for all our listeners to tune in. So Mark and my brother, how's it going? Introduce yourself. You have the floor. What's going on, Junior? Uh, everything's going well, man. Thank you. Uh, it's an honor and a pleasure for me to be here with you on your pa- podcast. Um, I, I'm looking forward to chopping it up with you today, and uh, I'm just happy to be here, man. And and it's Christmas Eve. What more could you ask for? Yeah, definitely. Awesome, awesome. So um, the purpose I always want to share in the beginning, um, um, to throw a little disclaimer, you know, we're here to just uplift to empower um share some information um we're not here to um offend anyone we just want all our listeners to tune in what's on our mind and just listen to the conversation and the information that we're um we're sharing out so i want to always um start off with um placing that disclaimer um before okay. we jump the episode okay yeah. appreciate that man definitely so so, Markin, so please share to our listeners, like, who who you are, like, what do you do? Um, who Who is Markin, and um, what's what's your passion, like? Yes, yes. Um, my name is Markin Valmi. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Uh, I, I, I run a private practice, um, a teletherapy private practice called Bedrock Counseling. Um, and then I just help loving people work through their underlying traumatic issues. Uh, majority of my clients have, of course, anxiety and depressive, depressed, depressive symptoms. But when we dig a little deeper, we find that what's rooted in all of that is really unresolved past trauma. And just helping people work through that uh, with various forms of treatment modalities and different types of treatment forms. And just really seeing people come alive who um, have buried issues for sometimes even decades and just seeing how like once they start doing the hard work of working through a lot of their past traumas, how they really start enjoying life and finding like, um, you know, like things that they, they were really called to do, but were really distracted and couldn't really pay attention to because of their unresolved traumatic issues. So that's really my passion, just helping people to like, um, deal with the past drama that's preventing them from being all that they're really called to do in life. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And okay. on that note, while we're on, you know, just the whole mental health um, conversation, you know, we want to just for the both of us just to do a little mental check for ourselves and just share like, you know, how's, how's it been going? You know, it's been uh-huh. one, five, 10 months with mm-hmm. the, in this pandemic and, you know, it's holiday season right now. It's Christmas Eve. Yes. How, how have you been holding up? Well, that's a loaded question, by the way. So first, I'm going to tackle the, the COVID part, and then I'm going to tackle the um, holiday festivities part. Uh, well, with, with COVID, uh, like everyone, it, it kind of took me for a loop. 
uh, almost like a, a gut punch. But after realizing that, you know what, this thing's not going anywhere. Uh, just me and my family, my wife and I have two, two little daughters. Uh, I started practicing when I was preaching. You know, that looked like um, get, getting some exercise in, trying to stay mentally productive, you know, because you could only sit around for so long in the house to where you start feeling really agitated and annoyed. Uh, started, um, started taking daily walks, getting a little bit of sunshine, started journaling, started doing some whatever relaxes me, whether that's deep breathing, started trying to like through virtual calls, connecting with some friends. Although at the time we were on lockdown, we couldn't, we couldn't physically connect and just checking up, checking in on some people that I, that are near and dear to my heart. Uh, and as well as my clients and, and just, you know, I think the, the silver lining of COVID though, is that it reminded all of us like, we were never meant to do life by ourselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think COVID kind of like woke us up to that. Like we need somebody, you know, we're not nomads trying to figure this all out on our own. Um, you know, you know, you know what I was saying? Sometimes we feel like we could, we could, we could do this life all by ourselves. And, you know, that's not really true. So COVID really, really hit home and reminded us like, what's our support system looking like? So once that became our routine of get of getting, some healthy coping skills going and, and a strong support system. Uh, you know, we really just rode this wave out all the way leading up now until the, the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. And um, I recently put a post the other day uh, of how I've been dealing with the Christmas holidays because this is actually my favorite time of the year. And, yeah. I, and yeah. I was saying how um, some of the things I've been doing to like really, really enjoy the Christmas holidays is I've been prioritizing, engaging in activities and hobbies that I enjoy. Uh, I've been intentional about trying to have a schedule uh, and uh, trying to be present. You know, a lot of times we speed through Christmas shopping and trying to do this or that, but I'm like, you know what, this is the holidays. I need to slow down a bit, take it all in, enjoy all the little nuances that makes this time of the year so special for me and my family. So I've been trying to pay more attention to that. I've, like I said earlier, practicing my deep breathing and relaxation skills and even journaling my thoughts down whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed uh, and just really seeing if I'm, if I'm if I'm feeling a certain way and I got some negative emotions going, where is this coming from? Is, is something triggering me? Did someone say something? Uh, does this time of year remind me of something that I never dealt with? And um, and I, and of course, we all got those family members who, who trigger us and get us in that negative mind state. Just try to just try to like really be intentional about set setting healthy boundaries and staying away from them. Still letting them know that we're there, we care about them, but not spending a lot of quality time with them to get into a negative mental state. So that's really how I've been enjoying the holidays. And of course, lastly, just being grateful for all that I have. You know, a lot of times we look at, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that, but we fail to pay attention to all the good that we do have, in spite of all the negative things that have happened in 2020. So. I've just been trying to have a heart of gratitude and, and just thankful for what me and my family do have. So, uh, sorry, I took, I gave you the long winded answer, but you gave me a load of questions. So I had yeah, to, yeah, had to yeah. break it up for you. <laughs> uh, uh, well said, well All said. Right. And just for, for myself, kind of like, just to kind of just continue, you know, kind of piggyback on how you were explaining how you've been doing throughout the pandemic and the holidays. Um, mm -hmm. um, for me, I would say it's just been a time of really 
reflecting. Um, this mm-hmm. time has really caused me to really sit down and reflect, to pause, um, mm-hmm. to be present, um, definitely to be present. And mm-hmm. I'm from a place of grace and gratitude, man. I, I can honestly say these past nine, ten months has been, you know, a bit challenging, but mm-hmm. I still push through and be grateful for every day and mm-hmm. try to find different things, you know, as self-care. I really take care of myself, working out, um, keeping myself busy by um, productive busy, I would say, um, by, you know, if it's going out, um, focusing on some of the things that I've that I've put put on put on a hold. Um, that's something I definitely um, have put made it very intentional to, to just do it. If something that comes to my mind, I always wanted to do mm-hmm. this pause has caused me to really, you know, to put action into into what my thoughts were and also jotting things down journaling yeah i doing mm-hmm. uh, my mind is always racing and journaling has definitely helped me uh, mm-hmm. i could do, do better but you know I, i've definitely um have taken that approach to really jot down uh, my thoughts and my actions and my goals and revisit yeah. daily or as much as i can um, to get me to keep me accountable Absolutely. That's definitely how, you know, these nine, 10 months has been for me. And like I said, definitely coming from a place of of gratitude, man, just to be able to to be here, to be here and um, trying to be a person of value, man. Uh, Definitely trying to value and use using our gifts, using our gifts and building those quality relationships with people. Absolutely, man. man. So. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, no problem. What we're gonna do? We're gonna just jump right on in and okay. Well, um, so I was sharing with you earlier that I um, follow follow you on Facebook. Uh huh. Quote that stood out to me, and uh-huh. I'm gonna read it. And it says, "Mental health is not a destination, but a process. It's about how you drive, not where you're going." Um, yes. That quote stood out to me. So what what does that quote mean to you? And um, can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that? Absolutely, man. Uh, I got that quote from a gentleman named Noam Spencer. And Mm -hmm. uh, the reason that quote stood out to me as well is because I felt like this really broke down what mental health is. You know, there's there's a lot of stigma behind mental health and people look at it like if I if the word mental health is associated with me, I must be crazy um, something's wrong with me. I don't want people to look, you know, people going to judge me when really, when you think of mental health, think of physical health. You know, mm-hmm. we all want really great physical health. Why can't we have the same thing for our mental side of things? Right. Uh, yeah. And, and I felt like oftentimes we want the magic pill. We want to take this and no more depression, no more anxiety. And we, that don't even work for our physical health. You know, people who take these diet supplements, the minute they get off them, they gain all the way back, <laughs> you know, back. And, and our mental health is no different. It is the journey. Everything we do in life, what makes it so gratifying and fulfilling is the journey, the process, the hard work that we've had to do to, to improve on either our physical health or our mental health. Like if you want to see somebody with great physical health and it's lasting, it is the person who's doing the little things, the healthy eating, the the limited cheat meals every week, the four to exercising four to five times a week, drinking a lot of water, getting enough sleep, 
um, um, stretching and, and our mental health. Although we have we have a list of things we have to st- constantly do as well to make sure that we're in a healthy state of mind. And when we look back on it, especially what you mentioned earlier, June, how during during this whole pandemic season, you've had a lot of time to reflect, you know, like it is such a gratifying feeling when I'm with a client and we can reflect on the last past couple of months, all the progress this, that client has made. And, you know, and before they throw all the credit at me, I got to say, hold up, hold up. This is a two-way street. You've put in a, hard, a lot of hard work as well. And I reminded them all the arduous things that they were doing to really improve on, on their overall mental health. And um, it's, it's just fulfilling, man, just to see people go from a place of like uh, um, overwhelming anxiety and depression to saying, you know what? Uh, although this thing will get me at times, uh, it, I would not allow it, allow it to dominate my life. I will find peace. I will find victory. I will find enjoyment on a, with my quality of life. And although I may have episodes, I may get triggered. At the end of the day, my mental health does not need to define me, but I want to make sure I'm in a state of mind to where um, I can fully function and enjoy life to the fullest. Definitely, man. Yeah, it's um, you definitely uh, nailed that. Um, I know for, for myself, just you know, looking at mental health as, you know, when you said it says, um, but it's a process and not a destination. And those are the mm-hmm. things sometimes I, you know, speaking for myself, where um, mm-hmm. I've, I've tried, I've tried, you know, and I am, you know, um, working on being real intentional about reminding myself it's a process. It's a process, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, it's a marathon, um, taking it, taking it day by day, um, proving yes. small steps day by day and because con- uh-huh. because it could be challenging. Right. And. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, we think of, you know, that mind, body and spirit, you know, making sure it's it's functioning. Right. And sometimes I think we do forget mm-hmm. about that mind part and how mental health is key, man. It's key for us to um, be able to to have, you know, great relationships um, to be able to thrive. Right. And like mm-hmm. um, something that I I kind of focus on as well is. How, how do we have thriving relationships um, in our life, whether yes. it's with our spouses, our, um, whether it's an intimate relationship, uh, um, a business relationship, whatever the whatever the relationship is, like how how can we have a thriving relationship? And I feel like mental health plays a key role into that. Um, mm-hmm. You you hit something on the you hit something really on the nail, Junior, when you talk about thriving relationships, like. To me, that should be one one of the major motivations why someone would want to improve on their overall mental health. Uh, usually, one of the telling signs that someone um, is 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 not at a healthy place um, with their mental health is when they're not able to cultivate healthy relationships. And I'm not only speaking about dating or, or your spouse, whoever you're married to, but I'm just talking about just 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 to foster a healthy friendship with someone. To not to not be so needy, to not um, to not be so overbearing, to learn how to give someone their space, to not feel like, oh, everything is negatively about um, towards me if a friend doesn't call me every day, or to not take things so personally. It takes uh, it takes for that person to do the hard work to make sure they're at a they're at an even kill with their mental health mm-hmm. because you will never foster any healthy relationship in your life. 
if you haven't if you haven't um checked in on your mental health to make sure that everything's okay definitely i um yeah. and just from experience for myself i know there's there's many relationships i i could think of um because my mental my psyche you know i could say wasn't wasn't up to par mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. it definitely um ended up being a unhealthy relationship because of my mental wasn't mm-hmm. so that's something that I've been reflecting on and really working on and improving on to see you know I need to mm-hmm. make sure that my mind is right um because you know that saying hurt people hurt people right and yeah that's that's something that you know we we experience in life and and you know trauma is tied into that as well and and that's something I know you know, we could segue into that as well. Like just, just the negative effects of like trauma. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> man, you are, that, that, that is a loaded word right there. Trauma. And, uh, I, I think what makes trauma, uh, so, so difficult for people to associate with is half of the, half of the people I've, uh, I've had a chance to sit down with and work with don't even know that they've encountered a certain level of trauma in their own personal lives. Like when we think of the word trauma, we think of like major things like sexual abuse, physical Mm -hmm. abuse, uh, major car accident. And those things are traumatic, but trauma could be so much more, a, a lot more subjective, you know, like for instance, Junior, you and I, if we were brothers, we grew up in the same home and we had um, we had an alcoholic father who used to come home and beat on mom. And um, I grow up and I'm not affected by it, but you grow up and you're you're bitter, you're angry. Uh, you, you develop substance abuse issues yourself. You can't keep a, you can't foster, cultivate a healthy relationship with the women that you're mm. dating. And you don't understand where this is stemming from. It's because uh, you have unprocessed trauma from our upbringing, how we grew up in the same home. Whereas me, it didn't affect me in the same manner. And, and that's what's so weird about trauma. We really can't determine uh, how it affects us. All we can all we can do is see the effect it has on our life. And, you know, trauma is so, um, it's not only psychological, but it's so physiological where it affects us physically. Mm-hmm. I think of women who, I worked with women who've been sexually abused or 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 um, sexually assaulted, and when we when we do the trauma work, work, they realize how the trauma is so trapped in their own, you know, physical responses. How when someone taps, if a man were to tap them on the shoulder, how they flinch, and how they're easily triggered and brought back and have flashbacks, and they feel they feel the fear in their body. And I have to explain to them how trauma has a physical effect and not only a psychological effect. Uh, so trauma has so many layers. So when you hear of words like depression and anxiety, if you dig deep enough, it's usually rooted in some level of trauma that hasn't been dealt with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And and a lot of it to me, I think it, it stems um, from from childhood. Right. A lot. Usually from, mm-hmm. from from our upbringing, childhood and how, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's interesting how you can have two kids in a household, one person. Be, mm-hmm. um, impacted by that trauma and how that other child could could kind of be oh I, I stroll through life without mm-hmm. being affected by it and like you said that's that's the thing that's just so it, it's bizarre like how how 
yeah. trauma affects um, people um, differently. And yeah, and mm-hmm. just to just to think of like what what are some things that we could do like as as men as women like the to be able to identify and work work on those traumas that you know that are affecting our lives and to lead us to having those thriving relationships one thing we could start doing is to stop normalizing that we're okay right uh and i'm first (laughs) you know because i'm you know um first generation haitian american and i've been here practically all my, my entire life um uh and what i've seen in the, just the african american culture is that uh the only emotion that culturally we accept and approve especially the men is anger everything else doesn't exist so if we're hurt if we're sad we just stifle it and suck it up and say you know what i'm not even going to show this these emotions because if I do, it's a sign of weakness. So we look at vulnerability as a weakness, mm. right? And it's not. It's a strength. You know how you know how mentally difficult it is for you to say, you know what, Junior, when you made that comment the other day, when everyone, everybody, everyone else was laughing, that stuff hurt, man. And you were a friend, and I, I really didn't appreciate when you spoke to me like that. A lot of a lot of men can't have those kind of conversations. Yeah. Because we fear, we fear showing any level of vulnerability. But it is in our vulnerability where we start, we start to take the baby steps towards being um, um, emotionally and mentally free from whatever it is that's holding us captive um, um, with, within our mental health. So we have to stop normalizing that we're okay when we're not, and we're, we have to stop adding cliche statements that's really our trauma, like. Oh, I don't really do friends. I do good all by myself. I don't really do people. I don't trust people. When I hear women, I usually hear that statement from women. And that statement is, is usually saying someone hurt me in my past mm-hmm. and it has traumatized me. But because I don't want to recognize that, I'm going to dress it up with statements of, oh, I stay away from people. When really it's a it's a it's a defense mechanism to protect ourselves. <laughs> Because we fear being we fear being hurt in that area the same way again, right? So it all starts with normalizing that everyone is broken to some capacity, and we all need each other. We need a support system, and we need to start taking the steps towards, you know, getting emotionally and mentally healthy again. And I think it starts with the men. The men need to just be honest and say, you know what, I hurt. I didn't grow up with dad, and it affected me in some ways. Um, I don't know everything I thought I need to know about how, how, how to love a woman the right way. Like those conversations need to be need to be had in a safe environment to where we won't feel like we're being judged. And it, that all starts with normalizing that something, you know what, something's not everything's not OK. True. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. that's um, that's a good way to kind of segue into just talking about like mental health and, you know, the black black community with our with our brothers with our black mm-hmm. men and yes. i know like for me you know like you said there's strength in vulnerability and yes. that's something that i know for myself i've always you know held stuff in right not wanting to communicate um i would say in my mind like yeah i should but then you know what nah let me just hold it in and you know, and it's crazy because you hold this stuff in and it, you're bottling it up. And then until that one moment, you just explode. 
and something that I've mm-hmm. um, seen lately, I've been questioning and I've been talking to some of my friends about this is like, at what point does someone lose it? Like what caused somebody to lose it? You know, you're driving around, you see someone that you knew mm-hmm. or someone that you know, um, and you know, they're like the term, you know, they're stuck, right? You, you see them, you, you try to approach them. It's like, man, like something, something's up. What's wrong with this person? Like how, how did this person get mm-hmm. to this point? Like, like what happened and what caused that? And I, I do yes. feel like part of that is tied to that mental health of holding in, not not wanting yep. to express our feelings and not asking for help. Um, not yes. asking for help, man. And it's, it's definitely yeah. something that I, I'm definitely optimistic at where we're going with it, with our, in, uh-huh. in, in the black community as far as mental health. I definitely mm-hmm. still see us, you know, we still need to work on it because it's it's needed, man. It's needed in our community. Uh, absolutely, man. Um I I you're right. I have noticed a little bit of improvement in it in that area where the conversation is starting to be had in the black community. Uh but you know, there's always room for improvement. We can do we can do we do better about it. And um I I think um you know, I, I think something as simple as uh, kids seeing their parents crying or apologizing, saying that, you know what, son, daughter, it's my fault. I messed up. It, even if it were able to start on that of a microcosm level, that would be a start. Like vulnerability is OK, but a lot of the times the reason it's so foreign to us, it has a lot to do with our upbringing. Right. If we struggle to show any vulnerability, most more than likely it's because we were raised by parents who who um, exemplified the same behavior where they didn't show any vulnerability. They did. They didn't show any. They didn't apologize. Didn't they didn't show any weakness in their armor? Uh, well, what what seemed to be weakness? Yeah. And we interpreted that if mom and dad or our caretaker didn't show it, why should I show it? You know, and we don't, it's not until we're adults and we start to live our own lives as adults that we realize like, man, a lot of habits I didn't like from mom and dad, I've, I've carried the same habits right into adulthood, you know, because subconsciously we pick up, we pick up what we see, what, what we pull from our um, caretakers as little children and whether we want to pick them up or not, we just naturally pick them up. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's, um. It's something that, you know, throughout time, it just, it just continues to repeat itself, right? Um, I can mm-hmm. just speak from being being Haitian, right? Being Haitian-American, a lot of yes. these culturally, you know, just these traumas or these triggers or these ways of living, you know, we continue to um, pass it on. It continues to pass on throughout mm-hmm. generation. And it's, it's up to us, man. It's up to us to really... Um, to identify it and kind of break those um those habits um to, to foster those thriving relationships and especially in our community man with with our brothers man like our brothers and our sisters like kings and queens like it's up to us to really um identify um and have the willingness too i feel like having the yeah. willingness to be able to know that okay this is something that i have to work on um and mm-hmm. put in put in that action and definitely man yeah you 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 touched on something earlier when you said like when you see someone have a breakdown 
you wonder like um where did this stem from and was it like um dealing with mental health issues that went unaddressed i'm paraphrasing yeah. it you know and i think one one of my favorite tv shows i used to watch a lot was um my 600 pound life on the learning channel mm-hmm. right tlc yeah. and um and i was always fascinated by what led to all them gaining 600 plus pounds and it just started from just having a although it was a, ba- a horrible discipline but they became very disciplined at eating junk eating junk being sedentary not being inactive and slowly but surely over time and of course there's mental health issues usually accompanied along the way and and slowly over time before they know it they go from 200 to 300 to 400 to 500 and then they they balloon all the way to 600 plus pounds and i think our mental health um issues could take the same effect sometimes you know it could start off something small as just a little bit of anxiety a little bit of depression or some undealt trauma that we try to we think we swept under the rug if we avoid it and don't think about it we'll be okay but we start to realize as we get older like we we can't cultivate healthy friendships and everyone we date we can't we we can't stay in that relationship long term and we we're we're fearful we don't trust others we think something bad is always going to happen to us and and before and sometimes it could push us to having you know and in a nervous breakdown you know and we and we're like where did this come from and when we trace it back it usually starts from just the negative discipline of never having any healthy outlets for these emotional things and these mental health things and you know the the pressure overwhelms us over time and eventually our body needs that our bodies and mind needs need an outlet and we we never gave it that opportunity nice 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 definitely um it's hope our listeners you know are tuning into into this conversation that um and just these gems and information that mark and is sharing with us because it's it's needed it's definitely needed for us to reflect upon Um, appreciate it something that i i truly admire and kind of um, want to kind of jump on in with um, just you as a father, man. You as a father and a husband to your family, like um, uh-huh. something that I, you know, um, over the over the years, I'll say about a year and a half, I've um, I've met you and you know uh, been around your family, and you know as myself, something that I aspire to, you know, I aspire to have my own family and get married mm-hmm. um, what what is it like man like be, being a father um being a husband uh having having girls being a girl dad like uh like what is that like <laughs> it, it's like uh it's like a fun roller coaster like you know you're gonna scream it's gonna be a lot of like um weird drops and and high 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 elevations but at the end of the day you love the entire ride the entire journey um I think one of the biggest changes for me of when I first had my oldest daughter, Michaela, who will be turning five next mm. month, uh, I'm naturally loud. Like, like you would have thought I was raised in like an all Italian family. Like <laughs> I sound like I'm yelling, but that's just naturally how I speak. And uh, I had to realize, like I had to tone it down a couple of levels when I had my daughter. Cause I know, you know, I'm like, if I say no, like she's in tears, I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. So I had to learn to tap into my sensitive side a lot more. Mm. <laughs> um, but but I think um, I think it's helped me in a lot of ways. You know, my daughters has shown me the importance of 
you know, like, um, you know, as a therapist, tuning in more into my emotions. Like, if if, if my daughter bumps her leg um, and she starts to cry, she doesn't want me to, like, of course, if it's bad enough to where she needs ice, I'm going to get an ice pack. But what she really wants me to stop and say, like, what? You bumped your leg? I'm so sorry. Let daddy give you a hug. Like, that's not, those aren't things I, I typically would do. But now that I'm a father, I'm realizing the importance of validating her feelings, validating things she has to say. I just can't dismiss them and say, ah, she's just four years old. She don't know what she's talking True. about. You know, because at the same time, I realize those little seeds I'm planting now, eventually she'll be a 13-year-old, an 18-year-old. And I want, I want it to where she has that relationship, that open communication relationship with me and my wife, where she could come to us about anything. And I think it all starts with letting her know that at four, four years old, we, we, we validate what you have to say. It's important to us. Although, although, although it may be things that the average adult would say, oh, that's no big deal. We realize to you, because it's important to you, we've made it important to us. And um, it's it's been an eye opener. It's it's actually helped me as a therapist. Nice. <laughs> you know, nice. so so I, I think I think although it's hard work, it is so gratifying. I wouldn't trade it for for nothing nothing in the world. And I would get this statement a lot of times from my guy friends, like, um, "Do you wish you had a son? You wish you wish you had that boy?" I'm like, you know what? Um, I'm a person of faith. I don't believe the man upstairs makes any mistakes. True. Uh, I'm a father, two daughters. I get a chance to uh, mentor a lot of young guys. So in a way, it's like a win-win for me. So I, I have no regrets. I, I enjoy it all across the board. Definitely, man. That's that's awesome, man. Just like how you stated, like plant, planting those seeds early, man. Planting those seeds Absolutely. early with your daughter as just, um, mm-hmm. you know, being intentional and thinking ahead that she's going to be, she's going to be 18 and she's going to be 25, you know, <laughs> but what I plant now, how I build that foundation with my daughters now, will definitely they'll reap that as they as they get older. Um, no, that's, absolutely, that's awesome. absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um throughout this time, man, as you know, we've been experiencing this pandemic, man. Um, and there's something that I I would like for you to just share, like, um. Although this has been a challenging time, right? There's um, what's it um? Can't I can't recall his name. Um, Tizo the the uh, from the I want to say is the the art of war. There's a Sun Tizo. Um, oh yeah, I think it's Sun Tzu. Tzu. I think that's yeah yeah. Thanks thanks yeah. I I I was trying Uh to catch it. Um, there's a quote (laughs) he has. Um, in the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. Um, yes that that quote stood out to me and you know as we go into this conversation right now on um on yourself like you took a leap of faith i I call it uh during the pandemic and um Uh you know having having your you know having your own practice right and yes Uh like how like how did you do that man like like what what led to that? Like during, you know, it was it was a challenging time during the pandemic. Um, how how did you pursue that? Well, first first of all, um, from the from the time my practice launched, uh, we have to rewind the clock at least a year prior. Of you know, I got a I have a couple of um, colleagues in the mental health field and a really good friend of mine. We known each other since high school, 
He's a licensed marriage and family therapist uh, down in Fort Lauderdale. Name's Eddie Archer. Uh, we connected and I started telling him like, you know what? I feel like it's time for me to go into private practice. Uh, and I was just telling him my story of all the different um, mental health fields I've worked in and experiences I've had. And, you know, and I, I just feel like trauma is an area I, that's personal to me. Not only, and one of the reasons is because I've done my own personal work, trauma work in my own life. And um, he started giving me baby steps, what things I need to do and everything he was giving me because it's such a passion of mine. He noticed that uh, I was knocking it out the park and say, okay, I did that. What's next? And he, realized, he said, you know what? You, you're really not playing about this. So I was like, I'm not, I'm ready to do this. You know? And um, it was just, it, it's, it's, it's almost like what makes great sports team great. It's, it's not just that, take for instance, LeBron James. It's not just because he's a physical specimen, mm -hmm. but he does the little things that the average player would overlook. He doesn't cheat his diets. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't, he doesn't have off days. He doesn't cheat his workouts. Um, he doesn't cheat his drills because he knows everything is leading leading up to that big stage. And I, I looked at it from the, along the same lines, like if I'm going to do this, I want to do it to fidelity and I want to do it right. So I checked off every box. Uh, I made sure I was I got the proper trainings in the area I was going in and just making sure I did all the behind the scenes things right. And I and I interviewed a lot of other therapists who are already thriving in this field. And I also wanted to hear their challenges and at the time, there, were, there, there was no COVID. So this is like um, middle 2019. Wow. And then um, I didn't officially launch until earlier this year, 2020, like right before the pandemic. And um, yeah, and the pan COVID kind of fell in my lap. But even though I'm like, I already launched, so let's see what, 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 what happened. And then I realized it was just an onslaught of so many people who are looking for a therapist who needs help. And I thought even my own life as a therapist, before I went into private practice, if someone reached out to me and said, hey, uh, you know, you know, any great therapist you could recommend? I realized I was always sending them to different agencies, but I didn't have a, a list of like therapists and private practice I could refer them to. So I was like, man, I'm a therapist and I see how limited I am with my, my number of, of therapists I could I could connect people with. So that was another telling sign I really needed to get into this field. So it's been, it's been a blessing. I mean, I, I think the frustrating part is, you know, you, you know, when you're jumping at, you're, you're chasing a dream, you know, uncertainty could seem so overwhelming, you know, it could cause so much anxiety, but I felt like this was so much more than just me launching out with a business endeavor. I felt like this was a calling. Like I felt like uh, I wasn't given this gift of, being a therapist just for the sake of like throwing a lot of big mental health words at people to seem like I'm deep or, True. you know, like I truly want to help people. You know, I, I really want to help them heal past their brokenness. And, um, and I think, and I, I felt like this was my, the best Avenue I could take to really do that the way I want to do it. So um, I just thank God for the opportunity. I have no regrets. And the, the longer I'm in it, the more I'm convinced this is what I was created to do to like, just really help people heal past their brokenness. So definitely. Um, yeah. It's the best decision I've it's, made. Man. It's awesome. And just, it's just to, um, for me that to see someone that looks like me as a therapist in our community is so yeah. important. Like, um, and just promoting and letting people know that 
Um, therapy is okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. <laughs> I feel like at times people, um, you know, even just speaking of culturally, right? Of <laughs> people like therapy, mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Like, like, how are you going to therapy? You don't need that. But um, just knowing how important it is um, to go to therapy and also going to therapy before. A lot of times, people go to therapy when they're in a problem, right? But just thinking mm-hmm. about going to therapy before, you know, um, something happens, you know, and just, just again, like just the importance of having somebody that looks like you, um, build, yeah, um, um, and also being a man, being a black man, yeah, um, is so important. Hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah back, back. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Con- connection. You know, while we were recording, the connection went down. No problem. I, I actually remember the last thing I was saying. I was just quickly saying, like, you said the importance of, of finding a therapist that looks like you. And you touched on, and you also touched on uh, that the importance of men going to therapy. So those were two important culture aspects. Number one, um, fi- connecting with the African-American therapist, because sometimes it could help to minimize that stigma. And number two, especially for men, men think therapy is not for them. So when they see that there's a male therapist who's normalizing that, it's okay for men to come here because we all have some to deal with. I think those are two important factors to like ease the tension a little bit of someone feeling comfortable about going to therapy. True, true. Yeah. Man, and um, as as we get ready to wrap up this episode, um, this last segment is called You Have the Floor. And Mark, and you have the floor is basically a, a space to just share what's on your mind. Um, if you want to leave something for the listeners, um, you have the floor. Yeah, uh, I would just say um, uh, we all go through issues. Uh, even therapists need a therapist every now and then to speak to, to, talk, to speak with. And uh, I'll just encourage everyone, like, you don't have to suffer in silence alone by yourself connect with someone, uh, even if it's just a friend, just let a friend know what you're going through. But I would say this at the end of the day, sometimes our friends cannot always help us with clinical issues. And if it's a real mental health issue, uh, the help is out there, connect, reach out. Um, There are resources, there are agencies. There's really never a legitimate excuse to say, I don't wanna go to therapy, right? So I would encourage that. Um, and lastly, if anyone's in, interested to find me, you can find me on IG at, at Bedrock Counseling um, uh, and also on Facebook.com. I mean, on Facebook, you can find me at um, Facebook.com forward slash Bedrock Counseling. Uh, and e- even if you're not interested in therapy, I would still encourage you to follow me. I try to put up a lot of encouraging posts, mental health tidbits, just something to get you thinking along the lines of, how to make sure you're doing your daily check-ins to make sure everything's all right with you. And um, that's pretty much it. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed this, Junior. So thank you. Definitely, man. This was a great time. Um, um, thank you for all the listeners that tuned in. Hope you um, definitely um, soaked in a lot of the information that um, Mark was sharing with us. Um, I know I have. And um, just wishing everybody a happy holidays. Um, definitely check out uh, Marking on his um, social media handles. And again, um, stay empowered um, and have a great holidays and be safe, everyone. We're out. All right. Okay.